Amal Ali has been an activist pretty much since she was a kid. She was that annoying one in class that went, oh miss, that's not right. She spent hours and hours on Tumblr reading about everything that was wrong in the world and plotting how she would change it. Amal is 24, the same age as me. She celebrated her birthday recently. And when she went to Egypt, she got to go inside the pyramids and see the mummies. I don't know what kind of VIP pass she had that got her that kind of access. As well as being an activist, Amal is a project manager at a national lottery-funded charity in Bristol called Integrate UK. But before I get into that, this is a trigger warning. You might find some of what you'll hear today upsetting because you'll hear about topics like FGM. If that's a heavy subject for you, you can check out our other episodes. Back to Integrate UK. My name is Amal. I'm a project manager at Integrate UK. This is a charity that's led by young people. Integrate UK started in 2007. For the ones that work directly with Integrate. So my name is Mariama. I'm 16. I'm a junior trustee. It gives them everything that they need to make them feel empowered enough to work on making changes in the society that they live in. And I think it has transformed me to be the person that I am now, so being activist is... I'd actually recommend to anyone to be activist. <laughs> the charity works with over 400 young people in Bristol. It delivers peer education to school kids and trains teachers, police and lawyers on subjects around gender and racial inequality. This is where equality, education and youth activism go hand in hand. They create content and workshops that get people talking about things that are kind of tough to talk about. To be real with you, I'm talking about issues like FGM, honor-based abuse and sexual assault. They are all about creativity and make films or write songs that start conversations. There's a track called Kick You Where It Hurts about sexual harassment and Islamophobia. Let me give you some of the lyrics. Could be dressed in a hijab, could be shown a name. I can look how I like, you've got no right to touch me. I just love those lyrics. I feel like it's such an empowering line. So you get it. Education is at the core of what Integrate UK does. They are doing big things like working with schools to change policies on detentions for sexist and racist behaviour. They've also put policies in place to make do-rags and bonnets a part of the school uniform. Back to Amal. She knows how to handle any kind of conversation, even the tough ones around sexual harassment. What happened after, you know, like, a lot of things that happened in society and in the UK with the Sarah Everard case and the Sabina Nessa case was that a lot of the young girls felt really like silenced in their schools and they just felt like no one was talking about the real sexual harassment. So that happened during the time we were making the resource and stuff. What they really did was they talked about all of their real lived experiences, anecdotes, testimonies, you know, things they've seen online, things they've seen in their schools, whether it's like the nudes and distribution of nudes or whether it's talking about their skirt lengths, like distracting boys, boys making really grotesque like banter comments. Yeah. A lot of the boys in our group also, because we have like mixed groups, so it's boys and girls, and a lot of the boys felt like so there was really bad toxic masculinity in schools and in their groups, but also there's this huge element of peer pressure where if you don't make a comment about a girl, if you don't 
you know laugh with them if you don't do this then you're you're an outsider and yeah. you get called really horrible names and these names are I guess like dragging down their masculinity and they get called certain things so when we had these discussions we were like what do you guys want out of this and the main thing they said was we want teachers to have comprehensive training mm-hmm. on real recent topics they felt like it was and I feel like I've seen it and it hasn't changed much since I was in school but it's a very outdated like method of let's talk about consent here's a video cool we're done now mm-hmm. you know and I'll just like, sit in the corner by my desk yeah, and like just crack on exactly <laughs> exactly and there's nothing that's like comprehensive there's nothing that's continuous and there's no forum of like yeah. young people and teachers having this conversation and also teachers being held accountable students being held accountable and the one thing they really really emphasised on which as well which was I think a bit difficult for the schools was that they felt like there wasn't enough reaction discipline sanctions or whatever you want to call it because what happens if you exclude a student for doing something really, really horrible? They're going to not really care about what their actions were, not be in school for a few days, come back to school and continue. Yeah. You know, or like move to another school and continue. And there's, that happens a lot with like the racist incidents in school, the sexist incidents in school, anything about sexual harassment, sexual assault, like they just continue elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And the students, they always emphasize like, we want it to be restorative. We want people to learn from their actions and continue to be better people. And we've even had students who like started the project being very perhaps problematic or would say comments or make like weird banter jokes and like, you know, continue to be part of the project for the year. Yeah. Learn from their actions and, you know, be great examples for their community and stuff. We love a turnaround. Goodbye, toxic masculinity. Hello, restorative justice. Authenticity is at the heart of these projects. That's something that Mariama Sane was happy about when she joined Integrate in year eight. When I was in year eight, I don't even know what I was doing. She's 16 now and has taken her GCSEs this year. And guess what? She's an activist and a triple threat. This girl can sing, dance and act. But most of her time is spent on fighting for gender and racial equality. You can look up some of our projects on YouTube. There's Hijabs and Miniskirts, Stand and Pride and Vitrol. The wild thing is, Mariama didn't even know what an activist was before she joined Integrate UK. And now she's a junior trustee, a National Lottery Young Hero Award winner, and a lead representative on the Equalities Council. I think she's really cool. Her first project with Integrate was an educational film called Vitrol that tackled Islamophobia, right-wing extremism and the discrimination immigrants and refugees face when coming to a country like the UK. Mariama felt like the project came together organically through open discussions. They came to us and they were like, what are the things that you guys are passionate about? What is something that you'd like to make a film about? And everybody was just letting out their ideas. And I think this was the one idea that people felt like they could talk on the most because the group was predominantly people from a minority background. Mm-hmm. They'd experienced the whole coming to this country, like whether it's from their parents or like their grandparents. And why I feel like it was an important topic is that I know a lot of people that have come to this country. The things that they faced have been, <laughs> I wouldn't imagine facing it myself. And also the fact that even though I was born in this country, people look at me and they see me as an outsider anyway. It was important to me to also let people know that just because I look this way doesn't mean that I'm a complete outsider, like I am a part of you. I know you can't see Mariama, so I'll describe her for you. Mariama is Gambian and wears the hijab. Mariama's journey with Integrate started when she was just 13 years old. But Amal started just a little later, after university. 
So I knew about Integrate UK for quite a bit of time. So in secondary school, I was involved in my own FGM work and I did loads of activism work within my school. So I had quite a few like friends or mutuals that were involved in Integrate UK. And then I came back from university, uh, graduated and was in that weird post-graduation stump of trying to figure out what I want to do. And one of my friends just sent me the job and was like, this seems like something that's up your alley. And then I applied and I got the job and that's how I joined. But I think genuinely when I joined, it just felt like I was always meant to be there. This yeah. sounds a bit cheesy, but like I joined, I was like, no, oh, this is cheesy. Yeah, so. <laughs> this girl is anything but cheesy. While Mariama's activism journey started in school with Integrate UK, Amal's activism journey started at home. So it started because my mum and quite a few women in my community and family were victims of FGM. And my mum never shied away from speaking about it. So I had a mum and a really special auntie who literally involved me in all of the like conversations. I got to go to loads of community groups about it. I literally remember the first time I heard about it, it was in a hall in like somewhere I used to live in. I mean, it was full of women and young girls and young boys. And they were just talking about it like, very deadpan and yeah. I was like what are they talking about this sounds really scary I think I was around nine ten years old so I was really young right yeah so I was really young but my mum didn't shy away from making me involved in other things and I remember in year 11 I was doing a English speaking exam mm-hmm. and I wrote my speech on FGM and I had like a partner and we were just like sharing our speeches and he was like I've never heard about this what are you talking about yeah and then after that I did it to the group and then I kept on realizing like you know loads of people have never heard about this thing and it kind of started small where I just did like assemblies. I did like an after school club where we showed like a film that tackles FGM. And I tried as much as I could, especially when I went to uni, I was like focusing on studying and stuff to get that element of my activism in, in like the small bits. But yeah, that's kind of how it started. So it started really, really young. In case you haven't heard of it before, female genital mutilation is the removal of all or part of the external female genitalia for non-medical reasons. Amal was on the school council and organised a charity screening of Desert Flower. If you don't know it, it's a biopic of a famous Somali model called Wara Steeri. She had FGM done and didn't know it happened until she came to the UK. She became an advocate for it in the early 2000s. Remember when Amal said it felt like working at Integrate UK was meant to be? She was right, because FGM is at the heart of Integrate UK's origin story. It all happened at a high school that Lisa Zimmerman was working at. You know those teachers that are always rooting for you? Lisa was one of those. I never had that in high school. The teachers all hated my guts. Lisa's actually the director of the charity now. But back then, in 2007, she had just made a move from working at private schools to working at an inner city school. There were so many young people with extraordinary potential and very, very different skills and talents that somehow weren't able to shine through in the exam system. And I was always trying to find different ways of engaging them, if you like. I was working with a group of girls who were sort of borderline, not expected to pass English GCSE. At that time, we had a lot of money in schools and I wanted to take them on a school trip. The usual school trip was bowling or cinema or something like that. And I really wanted to broaden horizons. So... I gave them the choice of camping, canoeing or horse riding and they chose horse riding. So I filled in all the forms, handed it in and then I was called in and I was told that 11 of the 12 girls who happened to all be girls and happened to all be Somali had disclosed that they were survivors of FGM. 
I just thought it must be another acronym. It can't be the FGM that I knew about because these are British girls. That's not possible. And when it turned out that it was FGM, the attitude was generally, it's awful, it's illegal, but it's taboo. You can't talk about it. They won't talk about it. I found that really, really hard to accept. And I started having some conversations with some of them, naturally, very gentle. Four girls wanted to do something about it, but they were really scared. They ended up writing poetry after school. The next year we had 12 girls and they wanted to do something bigger. They wanted media, but they didn't want their names or faces in it, which meant radio. And I managed to get some funding to do a drama doc for radio. It sort of built up from there and year on year it got bigger. In 2016, I started working part-time for the charity and carried on teaching part-time and then very quickly went full-time. It's just grown and grown and grown. I'm the only white member of staff. I'm also the only old member of staff. Everybody's young, former service users. All the ideas and the creativity come from their service users. So that's the story of Integrate, I guess. Lisa was shook when she heard about young British women being subjected to FGM. Amal, on the other hand, had been exposed to it from day one. It was part of the reason why she decided to study law at university. When I did loads of the FGM work in school, a lot of people always kept on asking me, like, oh, isn't it legal? Like, what's the law about it? Is it legal? And I would do the research and, you know, it's been illegal since 2003. But the application of the law, like a lot of gendered violence and a lot of things that happen in the like, private sphere of your family, home and stuff, unfortunately, the rates of, like, you know, putting people into prison or perpetrators getting through a trial is really low so they've only had one successful case in the UK and it's been a law yeah nearly 20 years now but it was also when I was looking at I was thinking are communities you know like local authorities police are they actually like engaging in the communities and making sure the communities understand what's going on Mm -hmm. and I think law for me felt like a tool that I could use in the future to continue working on the activism and actually just tell people okay I know the law I know how law works and Unfortunately, for a lot of things that affect people, it's really hard to put people in prison and it's Mm -hmm. really hard to blame people and we need to figure out ways we can change the law so it's protecting young girls, but it's also protecting families and communities and people aren't feeling others. I wish I knew Amal when I was at school so I could have had an activist friend. I probably would have spoken up a lot more because I was always like, is it just me that wants to kick off all the time about things that I don't think are right? With activism being at the core of what Integrate UK does, and Lisa being an OG member of Integrate's origin story, you'd think she would describe herself as an activist. I don't think I've ever thought of myself as an activist, but I've always found it very difficult to ignore something that was wrong. If something's wrong or something needs changing, I kind of feel I have to do something about it. But this was a much more difficult topic. It also felt like I was poking my nose into somebody else's culture, somebody else's life. So it was always led by them. They knew more than I did. They took me so far outside my comfort zone. (laughs) They made a music video called Hashtag My Clitoris, and I am one of those people who used to blush at, you know, I couldn't buy my own tampons until well into adulthood. (laughs) So they're amazing, absolutely amazing. And they know what they're doing, and they've been instrumental in bringing about so much change and they've made a lot of changes you might have read of mice and men at school you know the one with george and lenny i had to read it for my GCSEs, and when i tell you it was so awkward hearing people read the n-word out loud anyways 
Integrate UK decided to do something about that. In every school we worked with, and actually I did have my men for my GCSEs. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and, you know, from my experience, you know, I had, well, young people in general saying the N-word in the class when they had to read it out, teachers saying the N-word in class when they had to read it out. I felt really uncomfortable. Really uncomfortable. There was only three, I think, black students in my class as well. Yeah. Everyone was looking at us when they were saying yeah. it. I was like, okay. I think this that is... was the only person. Oh, I was like, horrible. Why is everyone looking at yeah. me? Yeah. Don't look at me. People don't realise the amount of power it takes away from you when you are kind of reading those words again. And in the context of the book, the book has a very specific context of America in that certain mm-hmm. time. But yeah, when we came in to do the equalities councils with the schools, one thing that every single time in every single school I worked with, one thing that came up was, oh, my teacher said the N-word in class when we read of my men. Oh, my teacher said the N-word. And, you know, we asked students, like, what the hell does that make you feel? You know, why does that upset you? Mm-hmm. What do we want to do next? What's the action that we want to take? It was echoed in all the schools that this is something that made them feel really uncomfortable. Not only the black students, but all the other students felt really uncomfortable. There were some schools or some instances where students had to read the quote and had to say it, and they didn't want to say it. And, you know, all in all, some schools were really active of listening to that, and they easily just took it out. But another really positive response we had with that was that we involved more writers of colours in the curriculum as well. So a lot of the poetry they were reading were very old, outdated, dead old white men specifically. <laughs> and a lot of them were like, you know, we want something more current, we want something that has a lot of more women and a lot more writers of colour. And like, the schools that we worked with were active in putting that onto the curriculum. And I think that's just amazing because when I was in school, I remember a lot of what we read and none of them were writers of colour none of them mm-hmm. none of them were women yeah so it's concerning that that was what it was like what five six years ago but it's great to see that change now we love to see it we really do I can't remember reading anything by writers of colour at school and that was part of the reason why I decided to write my own book representation matters and we need it more than people think the Equalities Council sounds cool right? It's something that Integrate UK has created with the schools that they work with. It's basically a governing body of students. Mariama likes to think of it as the middleman between the students and senior members of the school. Mariama changed the game at her high school, bringing in culture days and teaching her head teacher about why students were wearing do-rags and bonnets. She held her own and explained that it's not a trend. People aren't wearing them because everyone else is. There's a purpose behind it. Wearing do-rags and bonnets protect hair. The next thing you know, her head teacher makes do-rags and bonnets part of the school uniform. You know, I mentioned that Integrate UK work on educating people about racism. One thing you are guaranteed to hear if you talk about racism in the UK is that it doesn't exist. And Amal has heard the same. My, my, my. (laughs) I... I got that quite a lot in secondary school. From teachers or kids? Everyone. Teachers, kids. I think kids more, because I guess when kids say that, then you're not going to speak to a teacher about something you experience because you're like, oh. Yeah. It's really sad because I think people aren't listening to kind of the experiences. And I remember like 10 years ago when we first moved, like my mom used to get her car graffitied like every morning by these kids in our area and used to like say racial slurs and horrible things every morning for like a month. Those things are like reminders to me like, you can't gaslight me and tell me that racism doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Even in a diversity like Bristol, Bristol is extremely diverse, but I've, I've experienced things. I've had people say stuff to me on like the bus and stuff. And I think schools are doing a better job of like 
not being scared to talk about things. That mm -hmm. was the thing I didn't experience in school and it affected me and like my thoughts and feelings and how I felt when people would say things, like people would make comments about my skin tone or my hair or like my religion and stuff. And then moving on, like working in these schools now, a lot of these schools are taking way more of a bigger stance in terms of talking about it mm -hmm. and also giving the young students of colour that platform to talk about it. They're the ones who get to be part of the policy making they're the ones who get to be part of the assemblies they're the ones who get to talk to the teachers and be like okay actually when you made this comment this is not nice or when you repeated the n-word of mice and men i don't think you should be doing that yeah and let's have a conversation about that i think as well in the uk it's a bit more covert racism and yes. i think that racism has become like a buzzword now if you say it people are like well i'm not racist yeah it was never pushed in my face but now when i look back at my days in school mm -hmm. i did experience quite a lot of microaggressions mm -hmm. whether people knew or they didn't know i didn't know at the time what was going on yeah. i just talked to like um but i experienced a lot of that and i think it's more like that in the uk as well isn't Definitely. it little comments made and stuff like that and i think as well those people are scared to be called racist which is a thing you know people <laughs> are scared actually yeah. Just, like, don't call me. yeah exactly don't say I'm racist. and it's like everyone's gonna learn like there are things that i probably said when i was 14 that i'm like oh i shouldn't have said yeah. comments I made but it's like we're here to learn from each other and educate each other it's fine if you've said something like this let's learn I've always been someone who wants to speak out about things but when I was young and at school I felt like what's the point in me speaking it's only going to fall on deaf ears and if I do speak who do I address what do I say am I saying the right thing I was constantly second guessing myself Amal doesn't do that. Her confidence came from seeing her mum speak out about FGM as well as her own school experience. In primary school, I was a massive minority in terms of like my religion, my race. I, w I guess I always felt very othered and it meant that I felt more confident about talking about the issues because I'm already othered, people are already looking at me, people are already speaking about me. Yeah. So why not just speak about the things that I find really that important? That I want you to talk yeah, about. Yeah, exactly, that I want so you to talk control about. control the narrative kind of thing. Yes, definitely, definitely. There's this narrative about me coming from a fun show like Love Island that apparently means I can't speak out on certain things. I would never, and I'm not, speaking out about things because they're trending or I want to look good. I actually care, but we all get tarred with the same brush. Amal's confidence comes from experiences she had at home as well as at school. Mariama's is similar, it comes from home. I feel like the main place that I see would probably be from my mum, to be honest, because mm -hmm. as a black female working, the amount of time she's come home with stories of people coming at her thinking that because she's like a black person, a black female, she's lesser. And her just coming home and telling me how she stood up to them and she just didn't take anything, I guess, from there. I just saw like, as a young person, mm -hmm. I have no reason to be silenced, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. And I think like now I'm in my element. So I feel like... I can just speak up about anything. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It just came. Yeah, it's just, yeah it's, I feel like it is. But just seeing her stand up to something, mm. I guess it just inspires me, really. And then from there, I see it all around me with other young girls that I work with in school and like people like Amal. <laughs> just seeing how open they are. Yeah. I guess that's just where it comes from, really. Finding your voice is an ongoing process. You evolve, you change your voice becomes different. You probably think I'm outspoken, but if I'm honest with you, I'm still finding my voice. And I wish I had have had an Amal or a Mariama in my life when I was at school. Amal found her voice at such a young age. 
I think it was my mum and my auntie. Like, I think seeing them as well as being like survivors and seeing them so bravely talk about what they've experienced, that was something that was really inspiring. I was like, if they can talk about it, they've directly experienced these things, like why can't I give that platform to people that need it? Because I had quite a few experiences of like peers and friends who were really silent about these things. And it, it dawns upon me that some of them had experienced things or some of them had gone through things personally that it just meant that they didn't really want to go through that again. So I was like, you know, I can, if I feel comfortable or confident to do that, then I can just do that myself, you know. Amal's activism is focused around FGM. Mariama's activism is kind of like an open format DJ that's across all genres. And I just feel like the more I talk to people, the more it just comes to me like, this is something that I think needs to be talked about as well. So I just feel like every time I do a project or I talk to people, my passion just grows. Let me tell you about Switched. It's Amal and Mariama's latest educational film that tells a different story about FGM. The film was developed by young anti-FGM survivors and activists from the UK and Sweden. It recently had a premiere which featured a lively discussion group, activities and performances. We've come so far in like the FGM activism world in the UK and how much the law has changed, how much like awareness has changed. Like, But we still felt like there was such a lack of involvement of men and boys. And this was even from like a personal experience of my brothers or my cousins, like my male cousins or my uncles. Like they don't feel like they need to be involved in it because they're just like, OK, the women are doing it. It's all good. Like it's none of my business. And that is a really big problem with a lot of activism, whether it's about other types of gender violence. Like men are, if they're not the perpetrators of it, then they're usually the reason why it's happening. So if when FGM happens, like a lot of times it is the women and there's this internalised misogyny where there's grandmothers or like older women in the community are doing FGM to their granddaughters and stuff. And the men aren't involved. However, it's only happening for these men. I think sometimes they don't understand how much power they have in standing up and being involved. So that was a really big driving force of the conversations of, okay, we've done loads of things of addressing like what it is, where it comes from, the cultural problems of it, the health effects of it. But what are we missing? We're missing the involvement of men and boys, involvement of people who don't come from like big communities where this happens. And just involvement from everyone so that we can really like stamp this out and stop it before like the next generation of kids. And when we were doing that, our director and producer, who was also like helping us with script writing, basically joined in all the conversations. And she just came back and was like, you know what? Do you guys watch Black Mirror? I'm like, yeah, she goes, let's do a role reversal, make it really creepy, make it really weird. Men are victims of FGM, boys are victims of FGM, well, gentle mutilation. And like, yeah, let's, let's go with that. And at first we were like, why would that be helpful? Yeah. But when we were explaining the details of like, how is it going to be gentle mutilation? Oh, so his you know, private parts are going to be sewed to his leg and mm-hmm. it's going to be cut and this. And everyone was like, oh, that's horrible. That's disgusting. Like, I can't believe. And we were just like, wait, well, it does happen to women. And, yeah. you know, these people's reactions aren't the same when it happens to women because we're so just desensitised to it. Mm-hmm. And at the end, when you see the stats of, you know, 200 million girls and women undergo FGM around the world, they're just like, oh. So that was a really big driving force. It was just like we felt there was a lack of involvement and I think that just comes from, you know, that whole thing of it's on my business. You when talk you're about like vaginas. not directly involved or indirectly involved, it's easy to just say, none of my business, I'll just turn a blind eye. Exactly. Men, you do know you can't actually stand up and speak out about issues that affect women too, right? Switch focuses on a girl called Howard's dream of wanting her brother to stand up for her. Mariama was cast to play the role of Howard and related to the character on another level. In the film, Howard stands up for her brother and alerts teachers and the police about what is happening to him. 
Mariama felt connected to Hawa because they would both be open to speaking out about something that's not right. But then Mariama tested positive for COVID, so they had to recast the role. Want to hear Mariama's take on Switched? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. I actually loved it. I was kind of like, that should have been me. But um, (laughs) I do feel like it was a very smart idea to play it from like the male's perspective. Switch has been used to educate teachers and students on female genital mutilation. The workshops around it have been designed to encourage discussion around the inclusion of men and boys in the fight to end FGM. Activists around the world have a goal to end FGM by 2030 and need men to be involved in the fight. Because what we do with these resources is that we create them, put them on YouTube and stuff, but we also use them as an educational resource. So we go into schools, we have a PowerPoint, we have the video, and then we talk about it and break it down. And when we were in one class, one of the boys put his hand up and was like, do we have to know all of this in detail? Like, do we have to know the different types? Do you have to know what happens? Like, why do we need to know all of this? And then we were like, you know what, just watch the video and, you know, we can break down why we think you guys should know about everything after. The levels of how bad it is when it comes to the health effects, how bad it is when it comes to the psychological effects, also, like, how common it is. And at the end of the whole thing, he just put his hand up and was like, why isn't this something we learned about before? Like, why am I in your nine? And this is the first time I learned about FGM. I was like, this is kind of like the reaction that we want. So, yeah, the reception was really, really, really positive. And when you were doing the workshops, how did you think that the teachers reacted? A lot of times with workshops like gender violence, some schools or some, like, teachers kind of, like, clock out, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, like, just, like, oh, this is a free this lesson. Is for the students. Yeah, this yeah. is for the students. But for Switch, surprisingly, a lot, especially the male teachers, they, like, come up to us in the end and, like, make comments about, like, how they're really, like, shocked that, you know, this is something that happens to women and they didn't actually realise the depth of it until they saw, like, you know, a male peer having to, like, uncomfortably pee and, like, you know, struggle with that. So I think it, it creates a kind of ease to talk about it. And this was a problem, especially when I was in school. Teachers feel like they'd be racist if they talk about FGM or any kind of, like, honour-based abuse because it's something that doesn't happen a lot in other communities. So especially if you're a white teacher and you're talking about it, then if a student goes, oh, no, miss, this happens in my community, they feel like they don't have enough power to be like, mm, no, even if it happens in your own community, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. So I think these kind of sessions always give power back to the teacher of like, okay, now I understand really and truly what is wrong and what is right, and I can speak to them about that. So it's educational for both? Yeah, really educational for both. Yeah. I think it was just nice to see men getting involved. Yeah. When we launched it, seeing the fathers, there was a father specifically that was there and he came to see his daughter and she was like, oh my God, I don't know how he's going to react. Because even if the mention of the word vagina, it would just throw him off completely. But afterwards, I, I had talked to him and he was like, oh, I'm really proud of you guys. And it's good to see that you guys are really getting involved. Yeah, he filmed like <clears throat> yeah, whole... He did. Every single time his daughter was on the stage, I think she was at part of the discussion panel. Yeah, he was. And he filmed everything. Like, look yeah. a proud dad. <laughs> I love a proud father showing up for his daughter with a video camera in the same way Chris Jenner shows up for her daughters. You're doing amazing, sweetie. And Amal and Mariama, you are doing amazing too. It can't be easy being an activist and speaking out on sensitive issues. It's even stressful for me when I'm putting out tweets about issues sometimes. And Mariama and Amal are out there in classrooms, doing workshops and delivering speeches. Do you find that there's a lot of pressure though? Because I do like to talk about things that I'm passionate about. But then I don't know if it's because I've got like a platform where 
I've probably got a diverse audience that aren't going to agree with everything that I say. Yes. I find it very stressful sometimes, yes. even though I know I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. I find it a lot of pressure. So I was wondering if you feel the same. Definitely. I think people are horrible sometimes. And I always end up having to like take a show social media detox sometimes because I see stuff I'm like, oh, not today. I'm not yeah. going to do this today. I'm just going to relax. I think as well, like when you're talking about certain issues they directly affect us or indirectly affect us as well yeah so i even remember like last week we were doing black Lives matters workshop where we were just kind of going over all the cases and talking about important parts of the movement and also maybe in the uk context talking about like grenfell and stuff like that mm -hmm. and i remember there was one point in the workshop where i just felt like anxious i was like, oh why do i feel like this way and then you know we left the session my colleague checked in on me you know these things are just you don't realize how much they do affect you. Yeah. Whether that's you're just consuming the media or whether you're on the front line or you're talking about it, is, it can be very overwhelming. And I think people don't talk about that burnout that activists get or even people who just talk out about things. It's a hard thing to talk about though, isn't it? Because you're speaking about the right thing, but then I sometimes feel like what I'm talking about is so much worse than how I feel. So how can I be burnt out? How can I feel anxious? Because I'm only just talking about it. Exactly. But it is a thing and it yeah. still happens. But I think that's probably why people don't talk about it as much because it's a bit like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, like I'd never, I would never say, like I just go quiet. Yeah. I don't say like, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm going quiet because X, Y, Z. Because I'm like, people are just going to think like you. Yeah. Need to not feel like that. When I was attending the BLM protest in 2020, I lost about 25k followers every time I posted pictures from the protest. It really took an emotional toll on me. I started to question whether what I was standing for was right, whether I have the right to be talking about these issues, and whether I should just shut up. So there are times where I need to take a break from things. Mariama is all about taking breaks and saying no to projects when she knows she needs to take a minute. This girl is about being true to herself, being honest and disciplined, because she knows that there'll always be opportunities for her. Mariama's take on being an activist is that it's not about getting involved with everything and anything. I feel like I would get FOMO if I said no to a project that I wanted to do. You do know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out. Do you ever yeah. get that? <laughs> not like, really, no. I feel like I get so like I'm out probably every other week or every at least maybe like twice in a month. <laughs> she calls me and she's like, Oh, we have this opportunity for you. <laughs> um, so I really don't. Yeah. And I think sometimes it is nice to allow other people to do what I do to take on those leadership roles. Because I guess I won't be here forever. Yeah. We do need other people that their passion is activism and they are willing to stay with Integrate or to continue that on. Yeah. Um, not saying that I won't continue with activism. I definitely <laughs> will, but it won't be like my main. Um, I think it's amazing that you've got that much discipline because I think it's hard to say no to things sometimes, especially when it's something that you're passionate about. And finding that balance is really cool. And I wish I was more like you because <laughs> I'm not like that. Mariama is an icon. When she was 15, she won a National Lottery Young Hero Award for her activism work tackling Islamophobia and sexism. To celebrate our win, a film crew came in and created a video of Mariama doing her thing. She was filmed at schools, doing workshops, talking to Omar, and just being herself. When the video was posted online, racist comments about Mariama came in via Facebook hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of horrible horrible comments detailing about how they if you're not happy here go back to your own country i don't know where that is for mariama because she was born in the uk um or you know these charities and these like kids are you know always complaining about things why they're not happy here there were loads of really horrible comments about mariama's religion and like you know mariama being muslim and all these things about like a muslim stereotype it was horrible 
the whole thing shook Amal, but Mariama was actually okay with it. Her whole vibe was haters are gonna hate, and if we're pissing people off, it means we're doing something right. I don't have Facebook. I just feel like that's just a. I feel it's not in my age range. Yeah, I don't have Facebook. Yeah, Yeah, um, my sister had. No, one of her friends had sent it to actually, and she was like, oh, don't go on the post. I'm like, what do you mean, don't go on the post? Now, why would someone say that? Because you know I'm going to go and look at the post now. I was going through the comments, and they were just so ignorant, and I was just thinking, I don't think I said anything triggering enough for them to go as far as they did. And my sister just replying to them, I was like, you know what, just leave it because. It was mainly like those older white men and women. Yeah. I was thinking these people are probably already fixed in their mindset. So there's no point. How did it really make you feel? Were you bothered by the comments or didn't care at all? I did take it pretty well. I guess for like, I think for a few hours, I was like just going through them and reading them. But after that, I was like, yeah. <laughs> like it's not going to change anything. Yeah. Regardless of what you say, I'm not just going to stop. Yeah. Um, it kind of proves the point though. Yeah. It it's it like... Okay, well, now I know that I need to carry on doing this because of these comments. Yeah, yeah and you can't let them take power. Really. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like it's so obvious if they're triggered by it, then they kind of know that it is an issue. Mariama's coming with the facts right there. It made Amal create an Instagram post responding to the comments and showing why the work that Integrate UK does is so needed. But then, yeah, we created that Instagram post just to highlight, like, you know, this is the reason why we're doing this. Like, like I think when you're in your own bubble, of like the people that are similar minded to you, you forget that the world isn't the yeah. same, right? Yeah, we're not as far forward as sometimes <laughs> you think. Exactly, and you think <laughs> like you're friends with all your mates and you guys are talking about the same thing and you guys are all on the same side and there's no controversy. And then you do things like this, and I'm like, oh, like, wow. Like yeah. the world isn't really like the safe haven of like Integrate or safe haven of Bristol. It's, it's really different. Do you think that's part of the reason why it's important that you go into schools and try to educate people in schools, change it? whilst it's fresh rather than when it's fixed. Yeah, it's so much harder to change their views and their attitudes. But I feel like starting from a younger age, you're just more open to hearing about like different topics and people's experiences. I love Mariama's attitude of hate as gonna hate. I feel exactly the same. I don't always like to look at the comments on my post, but sometimes the hateful ones really motivate me to make me go 10 times harder. I think the idea of a fixed mindset is interesting. What about youth activism? Life hasn't beaten you up yet. You're not scared and you're very brave. (laughs) Um, I feel like they have more of an understanding of why these things need to change. What happens a lot of times is that, you know, when you're in school and you're experiencing, whether it's racism you're experiencing, whether it's homophobia, whether it's sexism, whether it's gender violence that you're experiencing, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the young people that we work with give each other space to speak about those things and to listen. And I think you can just learn a lot from youth activism, whether we think about like the big ones like Greta Thunberg mm-hmm. or whether we think about Mariama. Like these people have been innovative in the way they engage. Activism in general has changed so much with social media and like Twitter and Instagram and TikTok, right? Yeah. Young people are those people on those platforms heavily, you know, engaging, arguing, talking. Don't get it twisted. We're not saying that all young people are picture perfect. Mariama had an uncomfortable experience with a young person that she wouldn't term as bullying, but it's something that has stayed with her. It was like early primary school. We had come back from a PE lesson and a girl, it was a Somali girl, who wore the hijab. So I didn't start wearing the hijab until I was in year seven, like middle year seven. Okay. Um, and she had left a note in my like little drawer mm-hmm. and she was like, oh, you're going to hell because you don't wear the hijab. And I, <laughs> it shocked me. Yeah. She was very open. She 
she didn't care and I guess that's good for her that she had developed that from such a young age but not everyone develops those kind of attitudes that fast I guess you could say she was a popular one okay so I kind of just let my mom deal with it my mom went and spoke to her mom and that was it we weren't friends um, anymore <laughs> but I just left it there because I really did not have the confidence to I guess speak up directly to her I don't know what it is but these last few years, especially like working with Integrate, um, I just feel like I don't take rubbish from people anymore. Yeah. And I think it is a good thing that I've developed that now because going into sixth form and going to uni, I feel like I'm going to meet a lot of people that are like that. I just go into the point, I just don't care. Like, I'm really into I'm just going to do me, you do you. Okay, we're coming to the end of school. Like, I'm not going to have to see some people ever again. We don't have to yeah. talk again so you can keep your opinion to yourself. I just couldn't care less anymore, <laughs> if I'm being honest. I love that. I know what I love that as well. I see what Integrate UK has done for Mariama and I need that in my life. Amal and Mariama have come a long way in their journeys. Mariama's confidence has grown and she's found her calling, her activism. Amal's activism journey started with her mum. Don't you want to know how Amal's mum feels about all the work she's doing? I think she's really like impressed. Yeah, I think there are times where like she can't like communicate it, or she doesn't like you know what I mean. Like she doesn't know what to say. We had the FGM launch event a, a month ago, and she kept messaging me and she was like, "Send all the videos of you talking." She is really like happy, mm-hmm. and I don't think she's noticed how much of an impact like her story and like her activism has had on me. I don't think she notices that's that's the reason why I'm here. But yeah, um, yeah she's impressed. I love a proud mum. When I was younger, I wanted to speak out about things, but there was always something that stopped me. Amal and Mariama's activism journeys are so different. So I don't know if their advice for anyone who wants to channel their inner activist will be the same. Don't be afraid, I think. I think that does sound a bit like, oh, very wishy-washy, but I think genuinely, like, you're going to make mistakes in your activism journey. There might be things you don't know, but your voice is so important. And I think not being afraid to speak up, whether it's in the space of like a classroom or in your friendship group, or when you're in like bigger like conferences or whether you're part of projects, like just don't be afraid to speak up and say your piece, like just say it. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt in the early days when I was like nine, 10, when I saw these women talk about these issues and they weren't afraid. I was like, that is something that I think, you know, should be encapsulated in everyone's life. And it's not only for activism, I think for anything, like just mm-hmm. don't be afraid. Because if you mess up, it's part of growth, isn't exactly. it? Exactly, everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to have that confidence like straight away. Even if you have like a slow start, just taking on those like small little roles, whether it's like putting your hand up in a session, just slowly developing yourself. Like it doesn't have to be a quick and fast thing, like you can really take your time with it. Like, just do it at your own pace, basically. Just do whatever you feel comfortable with and then just grow on from there. I think small steps is a really nice bit of advice. I would have liked to have heard that. Because I'm like, am I doing the right thing? Like, should I put this tweet out there? Or because I've got, like, two followers. Like, is it important? But it all adds up into you wanting to do more and then taking on projects and getting involved with things like Integrate. And I think... It's also important because with activism, before I started doing activism, I didn't really hear about activists. <laughs> and from like social media and stuff, you see like these big celebrities, they kind of display this idea that they've just made it straight away. Mm-hmm. But really and truly, if you go like into their story and stuff, you you do see that like it took them a while to get to where they are. So it's the same with activism. You don't have to just be at the top like straight away. Mm-hmm. It does take time. 
Where do you think the best place to start is? I think online in terms of figuring out the tools and educating. And I think online as well in terms of figuring out your local kind of organisations or local spaces that can like facilitate and support discussion. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, well you might live in like a small village where it's just like people but you can still do something online so yeah. it's so good you still get on tiktok and yeah, start talking exactly, exactly small steps all the way and sometimes it's those small steps that lead you to something bigger than you ever imagined it doesn't surprise me that lisa was ahead of the game when it came to checking her privilege she wanted to make sure that young people she worked with were given the same opportunities that she had It seemed very clear to me that young people who looked and spoke more like me had more opportunities available to them. And the talents and the qualifications didn't seem to make it any easier. So I felt that another thing that Integrate can do is give the opportunities to young adults to get something solid on their CVs and then to use that as a stepping stone into a career of their choice. And that's very much how we work. It's sort of maximising the skills and talents that are already there, just giving them a chance to show it. Even though I am technically like not a young person, according to Mariama, maybe I'm still <laughs> a young person in society, right? Or whatever. Um, and I think having this as like my first like job, like official job after graduation, and you know gaining the skills I've gained, I don't think it would have happened anywhere else. And I think that is a similar experience that a lot of young people have who have mm-hmm. been part of Integrate. Integrate UK is an amazing stepping stone, even to industries or like sectors that you don't think it would be. So whether mm-hmm. it's the medical field or the police, or whether it's you know marketing, like. UK has supported so many young people in finding their voice, using their voice and like also going on to do other things. Do you ever hear about something and wish that you could have been a part of it? That's how I feel totally about Integrate UK. Why wasn't this happening in Newcastle when I was growing up? I'm not going to cry over the past, so instead let's take a sneak peek at the future. I definitely still want to do anti-FGM work. I definitely want to use my law degree and like readings I've done law to continue that in like an international scope. So that's traveling around and seeing how other communities have worked on like engagement. I know there's quite a few communities in like in Kenya and in like Sierra Leone where they work directly with communities to like eradicate FGM. In terms of education, I want to go on and do law. It's going to be something to do with injustices like I guess the human side of it, um, rather than just like people you've done a crime. And activism, I would definitely be like getting involved in projects, um, maybe even like part-time project manager mm. when I leave uni. Never know. out there to the universe. Manifest that. But I definitely do want to continue activism. And I think working with Integrate, yeah, I just feel like Integrate is just the perfect charity. They're just so open, just listening to students and just, yeah. there's just so encouraging. And I feel like I do want to continue to be in that environment and end up doing what Amal does and like encouraging other young people, even older people that like will be my age at the time to get involved in activism. The young people decide the goals. <laughs> they are really the boss. We have a youth board and they decide on our mission statements and on the theory of change and what they want to do, what they want to achieve. But it's always within equality and the equalities that we particularly focus on are gender and racial. I personally would like to introduce some more around sustainability. 
I want Integrate to be what the young people want it to be, and that is an evolving situation. It's ever-evolving, and I'm always running to catch up. And I think Integrate has really helped me in terms of making connections and meeting so many inspiring older women who have been in the field for years and years and years and done amazing work, but also has kind of given me still like that fire because I get to see all these young people who are still speaking about these things and still being really like engaging and outspoken and empowered. And I feel that's added so much more fuel because you get to the point sometimes you finish a week and you're like, nothing's going to change. This world is, <laughs> this world is just going to... It's too far yeah, gone. It's too, yeah, it's too far gone. <laughs> but yeah, I just want to continue... One thing I wish for is like in 2030 plus, like the FGM is just not a thing yeah. anymore for the next generation, and these things aren't happening anymore to young girls. I hope so. Yeah. And that is Integrate UK, an ever evolving story about our truths, our struggles, and a better tomorrow. It's a tomorrow that the world might not be ready for, but it's on thanks to the players, the National Lottery players, not any other kind of player. They raise £30 million per week for good causes like Integrate UK. And that's where Amazing starts. <laughs>